Welcome back, Barry. Good to see you again. Yeah, and you too, Ian. But we're a year older now, aren't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Time has flown since the last time we spoke, yeah. hasn't it? You've been up to quite a lot of interesting things. You've got some news to share with the audience. Uh, yes. Uh, the first people to hear this, isn't it? Well, there's been a major development on the... Uh, what we call it? Rock goes to college scene. Mm -hmm. Or went to college, sorry. Uh, finishing the BBC line there. I got approached last year um, by the chief librarian at the university. And part of his remit is to look at somehow forging stronger links between the local community and that um, elite estate up on the up on the hill. Phoned me out of the blue and said, I've been researching. And it seems to me the only time when the university was really relevant to the local population was when you were doing the concerts. And I said, hmm, funny you should say that. I kept trying to tell the university that mm. for 15 years, um, battling against them. I desperately wanted to shut them down. So he said... Well, I think it should be recognised. So I said, great, I've heard that before. And then he came back with a concept. Because this year is the university's 60th birthday, we were looking at doing something last year, but it made more sense to do it, obviously, in the 60th year, because there's going to be a year of celebrations of, of various things. And we've got Lancaster Civic Society involved, and they're going to put a blue plaque on the Great Hall for the shows and the, and the place in hi music history and local music history and we're uh, gonna have a weekend of uh, live music to celebrate in the great hall amazing the second edition of the book which we were talking about last time has now sold out so i got a, a lot of people contacting me saying hey you know i've got some stuff i've got some photos and i thought part of the reason why lancaster was so successful was ge geography and etc etc but actually a big part of that was the audience the audience reaction and the the atmosphere was created was outstanding it, i mean a lot of artists talk about it andrew the librarian was actually down in manchester um, the other day and was, was talking to johnny marr who sort of said did they not do the show still anymore he said that was the one of the best acoustic venues we've ever played and it was a great atmosphere so he said no unfortunately they don't so i thought why not do a new third edition of the book only this time, I've got lots of stories that I'd forgotten and added, and that's why I've added. I've got other people to contribute, but I've also got a lot of stories from the general populace, you know, people who mm. went, I remember this, or, you know, I met Sunshine in the bar and I bumped into Blondie in the fish and chip shop and all that kind of stuff. So we've we've included all those, as well as things like Dave Stewart, a major, not, not, not as in the artist, this is a photographer. If you go on Wikipedia and you look at it, born in Lancaster, and he started his career filming on Morecambe Seafront with the tourists and the monkey on the shoulder and, you know, taking the photo, the, the old classic seaside photographs and everything. And then started, oh, he went to Blackpool College of Technology and Art, um, which was uh, quite a high standard back in, back in the 70s, um, produced some great work. He came up and did lots of shots at the Great Hall. So he contacted us on the back of that and said, hey, I used to come up there as a punter and take photographs. I'm now in the Royal Society of whatever's, and he wins awards all over the world. He's one of the best uh, fashion and uh, portrait photographers in the world now. But I've got all these shots from Lancaster the way home. You can have as you can have as many as you want. So we included some of of acts that we hadn't got um, later on. They tended to be the sort of punk and into that Morrison and all that sort of era, mm. rather than that middle 70s 
so that that uh, and then there were other contributors that came out of the blue which were quite interesting some of which we can mention later on i think absolutely yeah because um, just touching on that then is there any is there a chance where maybe some of those bands that maybe were early days back in the day do you reckon i mean you probably may not be able to say but would there be a conversation perhaps being going on with some of these bands to try and get them back if they, they remember the good days? The, well, yeah, there the, the was. But actually, in the first edition of the book, we've got a page at the back of the book of people who have died while I was writing the book. If I did that now, <laughs> yeah. it would be half the book. So, right. you know, there's too many uh, there's too many bands out there who are now in my mind, tribute bands. They've got like one original member or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I was looking at talking to local musicians who played, because I'd put a lot of support bands on from the local community with the bigger names at, at, at times. It was very hard because none of those bands exist anymore because half the band are dead, and, you know. Some of the musicians are still going as part of other bands and all that sort of stuff. And, and then a couple of musicians said to me, well, yeah, it was great and there were wonderful times, but that was then, you know, so... We had a conversation about it and we thought that has been a brilliant period. We're celebrating that period. We're remembering that period, teaching people who didn't know it existed. And the amount of people I've younger, i.e. under 30, mm -hmm. who cannot believe that those acts played in Little Old Lancaster. So we're educating, but actually it's great memories for a load of people. But that was then. So what we're going to do with the weekend that we're doing is we're involved in the Lancaster Musicians Cooperative, who've had a big boost because they've bought that building and they're getting it renovated. And by the end of this next year, 2024, 20, they're going to be up and running as a performance uh, uh, venue again. And why don't they provide the bands mm. that night? That was the idea. So we talked with the director and said, there you go, get put on four new young bands from this area. And he's found four, four, which is spread of different kinds of music. So everybody's not going to like all four, but you're going to like one or two or three of them. They're going to play. Obviously, I'll have the third edition of the book out. So we'll do a book signing, do a chat with Andrew from the library. We're going to sit on stage and talk a little bit, a bit of questions and answers and things. Uh, and then the bands are going to play for the uh, rest of the night. And this cool. Is, is there a release date planned? There, is, in, there is indeed. It's... Uh, it. it <laughs> It's quite sad, really. So we're doing the blue plaque on the Friday mm. afternoon. Um, oh, sorry. The other thing that the university are creating is a permanent exhibition in the foyer of the Great Hall for these concerts. It's obviously going to rotate because, you know, there's 350 concerts, 800 bands. So it's going to rotate because we've got lots of lots of uh, posters and photographs and memorabilia from those concerts. So it's going to change perpetually. Um, the university started by putting a massive, the, on the spines, near Furness College, just past Furness College, mm -hmm. they've got about eight, I think it's 18 massive two-metre reproduction photographs of, of the artists on stage, the various artists on the stage there, most of which the students are going, who? Really, really well done. And so the exhibition is going to be um, there as a permanent exhibition in the foyer of the Great Hall. So, you know. Amazing. Um so as I said, they, there's going to be new young bands on that. When I just said it was sad, unfortunately, that's going to be the 16th of March. So the Blue Plaque is the 15th. This is going to be the 16th of the show. The Students' Union are going to put a show uh, uh, on, on the 17th. And why I said it was really sad is 17th is St. Patrick's Night. 
if we if it had fallen right and so Saturday would have been St Patrick's night it could it would have been the anniversary of the Van Morrison concert because that was a St Patrick's night he'd had 10 years I think it was off without doing any live shows and he came back to do about eight shows in this country and one of which was Lancaster well the only university was Lancaster University all the rest were the, obviously the big city halls or the stadium rooms so that would have been a would have been a nice I hate to think how long ago that sounds exciting though yeah. and uh, certainly going to be fascinating to see I reckon that's going to be a massively popular event and so in terms of that is everything underway now in terms of the <laughs> underhand is everything underway now in terms of the uh, the book and yeah yeah we've I've, I've just fin I've, I'm waiting for one <laughs> it's really funny uh, we've just moved house and um, mm -hmm. uh, and somebody at the university uh, said oh yeah there's something in the skip at the university you might like. Um, so uh, I said, well, what? And so anyway, came along with this massive sign, the Great Hall, which was a sign over the door, under which several tens of thousands of my punters had walked under over the, year, over the 15 years. Anyway, we moved house and this guy came buying some of our furniture because we downsized. And he said, why have you got that? sign and i said well you know i used to do a few things up there and, and he said are you barry lucas so i said yeah he said oh i was in a punk band you put me on <laughs> so i said right great so i'd found a concert that i didn't know i'd put on so i said get me the info so you know we've got photographs and everything for that so there's little bits of that sort of coming through which is uh going to be quite exciting in a way mm. so yes that's all finished now except i'm waiting for his photographs he keeps promising me one yeah. um the other aspects the the um bands that are finalized but i understand you're probably gonna be talking direct with um derek aren't you on that mm -hmm. one so let him talk about the bands he's far more knowledge about it now than i am mm -hmm. um and it should be a great weekend really yeah have you found in the momentum as each of the editions have been released have you found that the momentum and the awareness have become bigger as it snowballs? Has it got more global? Has it got wider? Yeah, well, yes and no. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we're still getting it. I sent the books out myself to Australia, um, Thailand, uh, USA, mm. um, France and Spain in the last month or so. Mm. So, yeah, pe people are catching I mean, I was bumped into somebody the other day. I go, oh, I used to go to all those shows. I said, oh, did you get a book? What book? You know, and you're going, what? <laughs> you know, but I tell you what amazes me. Um, I was amazed how many people who bought the first edition bought the second edition. Mm. I mean, there were, the, the, it, it's it's not a reprint. There are new editions. So there, there's, in the second one, there was 40 odd new photographs, a couple of concerts we missed and a lot of memories. This one, we've got, more we've got a few more photographs a few more posters and a few a couple of concerts but generally speaking it's more the people's remembrances it is. But i mean yeah. i've got people like the, the the agent who booked for the first probably four or five years who booked quite a lot of the acts into lancaster rob and alice in florida i was thinking god he went down as an 18 year old down to london to join our, our island our island artists Chris Blackwell had the record company, but then he thought, hang on, why am I, I'm, I'm making, I'm breaking all these acts. Most of them got managers and, and agents, so why don't we? Mm. So he set up an agency and he, he saw how well Rob, he was only about 18, was up in Hull working. 
got hold of Rob and said, do you want a job? So he came down and Rob's, and so I thought, people of a certain age realise how important Ireland record company mm -hmm. was in those days. The, the Ireland label was magic in the late 60s through to late 70s. Loads and loads of acts. They were, they were not just, they were breaking those acts, so they were creating those acts. But it was such, I mean, I'd been down a few times that, there um to the thing and it was it was a weird experience because he was say out they put me in the it was in, near portobello road so put me in the portobello hotel for once and you you were having breakfast with maria schneider um with um trying to think it was about four or five other major artists sat around breakfast tables and that you came back at 11 o'clock at night and all the staff were laying on it was all victorian house where everybody's lying around smoking joints and everybody mm -hmm. going this isn't quite carriages but anyway mm -hmm. um but so right i said rob tell us the story because people don't realize what ireland was like in those days so he's written me a piece about arriving as an 18 year old in a in a three-piece suit and a tie on and everybody else is laying about with sandals and on big cushions smoking joints mm -hmm. in the offices so it's it's an interesting story <laughs> younger people are now battling against the whole subscription service model and how you do not really kind of own the products that you buy you just merely rent them do you think that's kind of had a combined kind of impact in terms of younger people becoming more aware and then then will naturally want to seek out this experience and story you know yeah. it's funny jeff campbell came up to see me who did all the photographs and was my assistant for a few years before he went down to Exeter university and did the same job down there but he um he was saying he was up in the up in windermere with the, the sons and daughters of a couple of friends of his and he said they're all in they're all in their late teens early 20s and they all their walls in their room were full of jeff's photographs that they'd lifted off off his website and and that and and posters from around from that sort of period i mean it was good music mm -hmm. i mean that that's i you know, I, I went into teaching for a while and then I, the kids, primary school kids were scared stiff of the word classical, mm -hmm. you know, and I said, look, it, it's not classical literature, it's not classical music, it, classical just means it's lasted, you know, the Beatles are classical music because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's 60 years on and people are still listening to it, you know, and buying it actually now with oh, well, new <laughs> number one. Absolutely. Um, what did you make of that? I, I I actually like quite liked it. Uh -huh. I, I mean, I was quite surprised, really. One thing that really gets me about the way that music listen, is listened to now is is that Spotify thing, all that sort of stuff. You're picking a track. Mm -hmm. When we bought an album, we often bought it for one track, mm -hmm. but actually there were 12 tracks on the album. And after playing it a few times, you think, well, oh, I really like that, I really like that. You don't get that experience. No, it, through, through the media at the moment. It's the it's the journey of going from track one to track twelve and going on that journey yeah. with the band. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and remember, yeah. it, uh, there was a big fashion in the seventies, and it's it started actually with the pretty things, uh, but, but that you think of people like the Who took it on and that of actually concept albums where the whole album mm -hmm. was about one idea. You mm -hmm. know, Tommy was a, a, a great idea, mm -hmm. Quadrophenia was another mm -hmm. sort of thing. But they were telling a story within the... Well, you can't you can't do that on Spotify track, can you? No. There's definitely, in some ways, a, a greater connection between artist and fan when you're at a gig and you're there and you're sharing that experience that you've had because you've gone and had that experience by listening to the whole album. There's probably just a different kind of 
vaguely there. It seems to me to be that most people now like the live experience in mm. terms of a festival, in terms of an event mm. itself. So they're not mm. actually particularly, well, Glastonbury is a prime example mm -hmm. of that. It sells out before they even announce the bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. At ridiculous money and yeah. ridiculous numbers. I know. So people are enjoying that. The music, that period that I'm talking of, that I was mainly promoting in through the 70s and the 80s, a lot of those bands were were new, young, but they were the same age as their audience and they were the same interests as their audience. Yeah. Even in, in those early 70s days. I mean, the story of the Who that I said about them going mm. and sitting with the, the fans and uh, two in the morning, dishing out teas and coffees in... in in the square in, in Lancaster. Would it happen today? Uh, so they Maybe, were... but there, there were lots of examples of the bands going to the local bars on campus, bad company going down to the Royal Albert and, and having a, their lunch, their evening meal kind of thing. I may be wrong, but I don't get that feeling that there's that closeness with the fans now. Mm. And certainly when you get up into the superstars, why would you? They're protected. They're, you know, they're whisked away. Even if they wanted to, they mm -hmm. wouldn't be allowed to by management. Mm. Or, you know. Yeah, there is absolutely no way you can, because you're right, everyone's protected. Everyone is now a brand. Everyone is now blocked off behind some sort of, management mm. who and because they want to protect their asset they mm. want to protect their brands i think you're right i think the the idea of you know 70s and 80s where you could reach out and almost you know be you know within touching distance or be a part of that and you know the artist be one of the people i think there's some modern artists now that are kind of coming through that are a bit more i suppose like your lewis capaldi's and you know other artists like that who are kind of one of the people in a sense there's a bit of resurgence maybe there you could understand how management etc want to protect artists in the terms of mm -hmm. everybody's got a camera you know yeah. everybody's can record anything that's done mm. rightly or wrongly or mistakes maybe so you you don't want that blowing up in people's faces so you can sort of understand it but if you think you know if you I mean, we had a prime example with John Martin at Lancaster University. I mean, John Martin came as a support act as a 50-quid folk singer. He then became a one-man Pink Floyd. He was then selling out shows every time he came, and he played ten times, I think, for me. Mm -hmm. But he'd sit on a chair with his guitar and his magic box, and the audience would sit up on stage with him. OK, there was like 1,500 people in the hall, there were 500 sat on the stage around him mm. and he was rolling joints, passing them out. People coming, he was a very good businessman because he passed one joint out and got about 30 back. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a pain in the neck because the show went on until bloody one in the morning mm. and get off, John, and go, mm. whoa, I'm, I've got a movie to watch. They were part yeah. of the whole experience yeah. as much as he was. And and to be fair to John, he felt the audience was much part of the experience as he mm. They weren't there to watch him play they were there to join in you know you would imagine that with um physically being on stage with with that with acts like you know ed sheeran i i just don't see that everyday connection mm -hmm. that a lot of the, that a lot of the bands in the 70s had with their audience to be fair that was happening through the 70s in that sort of the superstardom bit and the big extravaganza stage shows and certainly when you got into doing the, the, the bigger venues, the, when, you, when you went up to the 10,000 capacity venues, that was starting to get lost. Hence, punk. Punk took it right back to how it was mm. in the 60s and that, because it suddenly the kids next door were playing and some of it was bloody brilliant. It felt like they were all mates together. You yeah. Know, we're, we're a bit, and it was a bit like, you know, the Doors singing, come on, 
they've got the guns, but we've got the numbers, we're uh -huh. taking over. You know, it, yeah. that it's a bit us against society. With the advent of so many different venues closing down or so many different venues being kind of shuttered down by authorities and things like that, you know, where do new bands go now? I was doing the shows when the music cooperative was first started. Mm -hmm. and so it's, it's great. The trouble is, you've, you've got to be careful you're not selling a dream that doesn't exist. Because, right. you know, they're, they're, they're creating, oh, you know, we've got a really tight band, great, let's go out and play in front of people. Where? <laughs> that, yeah. That's the other thing. But yeah. also, I think, you know, you wouldn't you, you wouldn't expect your plumbers to come in and repair your, your bath for nothing, you no. know. Why on earth should you get your entertainment for nothing. The audience have got to be take responsibility for this. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've got, I've got close friends who I respect and know more about music than I do, who said, oh, I haven't paid for any music for 10 years. And I'm going, why is that a boast? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it, and they look at me like I'm being down. I said, you know, you've got, it, it doesn't matter whether you're buying product, and, and of course, you look at those figures. Spotify were horrendous. Oh, I know. Six I know. billion quid they made. No point. No, no three percent they give an artist. I mean, that's something bigger than we can all. But we can all help in the sense of if if, an, if a venue is putting live music on, go. Mm -hmm. If it's fifty pence a pint more there than than it is down the road, they're putting live music on. Mm -hmm. The guy has got to pay those for their services because. If they're an electrician, they're a plumber, they're whatever else, they're doing yeah. a job. Yeah. You're not getting it for free. No. So and if he's paying paying them, you should help him pay them by mm -hmm. by going A going along and B being, being prepared to pay a little bit more. Mm -hmm. People's reaction if a pub tries to charge you anything to go into it if there's live music on, they're people are horri horrified. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what else? Younger people are now starting to buy um well obviously vinyl has, has been a has resurged for quite a number of years now, but I hear more recently about cassettes, and I suppose maybe even since the pandemic, um, CDs have started to. I think I, I think I read recently that CDs have started to sort of have a where they were fairly even. They've kind of stayed even, but vinyl and cassettes have started to raise. So artists have responded appropriately to that, and I'm really fascinated as to how come that is for anybody who's not got a record player. <laughs> that thrill of buying an album, carrying it home. Mm -hmm putting it on a turntable, mm -hmm. actually being able to see the tracks, mm -hmm. actually a m lot of them being able to follow the words, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. and all that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. It's so much better than, than pressing a button on, on, on you know, on Boom Radio or whatever. Sorry, I'm showing my age. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God forbid you listen to Radio 1. But, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. it's, it's a totally different experience. I mean, I still think vinyl is, is the expression of that kind of enjoyment of the whole experience mm -hmm. uh, of buying a record or buying a piece of music. It's still got the same track. Mm -hmm. It's just a different feel and a different experience. And, yeah. I think there's perhaps one counter-argument to say that the democratisation, the availability of it is meant to be seen as a good thing. But I think when it's kind of guarded behind a paywall, and I now know that many, many people in many different industries, whether it be music, film or even video games, are now saying, no, we want physical. I still buy physical because I like to read the sleeve. I like to, I like to when I'm listening, read what's inside. I like to know who the, yeah. the producers were, the sound engineers were, and... Um, even in the world of film music as well, knowing who 
the composer was the team who orchestrated it. The, the, there's just more than one person that does that side of things. There is a sense that things are starting to turn around. I think um, there'll hopefully be a lot of positive change in 2024. Well, I, I th yeah, I mean, I th <laughs> the, the thing is, a lot of that is forced economically. And the, mm. the, the cost of going out mm. for a couple of pints and that is now, ooh. So yeah. those places that want to make it work as a play have got to think in terms of something other than showing Sky Sports. Mm -hmm. And that's why places like the Exchange in, 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 in Morecambe are doing this so well, mm -hmm. because they're putting live music on mm -hmm. it, because people know that it's going to be a decent band on, yeah. and they're not charging to get in, and mm -hmm. they're actually quite a reasonable beer price. But mm -hmm. it's getting people in there, mm -hmm. as opposed to the pub around the corner who haven't got anybody in there except, you know, maybe a te television in the corner. It's mm -hmm. not the same experience. No, is it? no, it isn't. Certainly like the venues like the Cantina in Lancaster. Well, and the, the, you know, the pub in Lancaster. Is, sorry, I, yeah. I should have mentioned that earlier. That mm. they'd, they'd fight, they've been fighting a long battle for quite a bit of time. Yeah, I, I absolutely. That whole area even. Yeah. Well, if John, it, John O'Gorn has always been a live music yes. venue as long as I can remember being and, in Lancaster. They, you know. They're having problems, aren't they, with the local mm. authority and you can't have a stage there. And going, right. Why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know. It'll certainly feel like with venues like the Gregson and Cantina and the music, Musicians Co-op, I think those sort of three venues in close proximity will still start to get that mm. that sense of community, that, that army against, you know, army of one will become an army of three. Well, I think, yeah. I think I've got a good example of that on the, uh, the pub with the mural. <laughs> you know, yes. A massive, yes. you know, to, to, to you know, take it like, down. Yeah. And there, there was a, there was such an an outcry on mm. that, you know, sorry, we've been knocking social media in a sense, uh, but actually that generated such a, the, the council went, oh, <laughs> we might make a move over here, you know, mm. and, and backed down on it for some, you know. But they've got another problem, it's, um, there's a pub, because buildings around them are going to get turned into flats. They yes. know full well what's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> the people are going to say, oh, that's very nice, I bought this lovely Lovely apartment, I, look at it, uh, I don't want music, mm. <laughs> you know, busting out. But well, then why buy a flat opposite a live uh, music? Yeah, building? exactly. <laughs> Although I, know, I suppose ironically as well, there's so much, so many of the properties are now being made into residences for students mm. and mm. things. So you would think, well, you've clearly got a sense of a market there. Why not provide those venues? When I came to Lancaster late 60s and through the early 70s, Lived in Lancaster. The the amount of pubs around that area you're talking about is like mm. all closed now. Yeah. You know, and and there were pub, there were pubs all down that sort of um, that first part of the uh, of the town around there, and and you know they get they're, they're either being pulled down, boarded up, or as you say, they're getting turned into um, student accommodation. Presuming that students aren't still as fascinated by live music as they were. Oh, I know they are. I know they are because that's the thing. This I've is what yet I mean to be convinced. See, I, I, this is what I think. When, when I think there will be a resurgence, and I think when people realise that value, experience, and cost will be yeah. three different things. I think we've gone full circle in mm. the sense that that I agree that all, most students will say, "Oh, yeah, I'm interested in music," but they're interested in three, four minute hits. Right not in an album length or mm. CD length and mm. listening to that, you know, they want to, oh, putting together their own little greatest hits thing, yeah. you know. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating than a greatest hits, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not pure in that sense. I buy lots of greatest hits. But yeah. actually, the, you're thinking, yeah, but it's a bit, if everyone's a hit, it's a bit monotonous. 
<laughs> you know, because everyone's every track is so familiar that you're actually, yeah. you end up not listening to it to be honest. Like, it's, it's great. It's background music while you're making a bacon butty. Yeah, something. yeah. In terms of promoters, then, do you all kind of because um, I know you've you've had connections with Harvey Goldsmith and people like that in terms of. Do you still keep in touch with them? No, not on, not on a day to day basis. Mm. But if I ever, you know, want to book a band or want to go to a show, I am I being a hypocritical there to trying to get on the guest list. Anyway, I <laughs> I always get I, I, the nice thing is I always get me me me, me calls answered. I always get them booked mm -hmm. up, and oh yeah, you know, people that I haven't was I talking to recently, like Phil McIntyre, that I hadn't spoken to oh, yeah. about thirty years, and they said, oh yeah, because he's you know, he was he lived in Preston, and then you know we go to each other's houses and whatever else. And he run, used to run coaches to the shows at the UNE when he was a Preston Police social sec. You know, so uh, wow, yeah. Well, you get your phone calls answered, so there's a yeah. bit, there's still a bit of respect there. <laughs> nice. Who would you say if you were to if I was to be really bold? Who would you say would be the most well-known person that's in your phone at the moment? That you know you get an answer from Andy Kershaw for what another thing Paul Lowsby. I get the trouble is some of them will, will be people that people don't know. Like Paul Lowsby is Jules Holland's manager, um, Pink Floyd's manager, Dave Gilmore's manager, etc. Um, he's, he's godfather to my kids, and you know. yeah, and then Neil Warnock, who's head of ITB. Um, I, I was helping out sorting out a status quo gig up at Kendall a couple of two or three years ago and, and they, were, they were having problems so the guy said do you know Bill yeah so I phoned him up and I, I said to his secretary and <laughs> said can you put me through so I said who is it so I told her and he picked the phone up straight away and and I was quite <laughs> gobsmacked because we didn't get on that well at the t when when, we, when when I was promoting mm. but uh, as I say you know people Maybe a bit of curiosity. What the hell has he been doing for the last twenty yeah. years? You know, in theory, you could do another when Rock came to like Lancaster. You could actually get some names back to Lancaster again, potentially. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I could if I wasn't going to get killed if I just attempted to do it, but by by the missus. But um, the she'd love it. She'd the, be there. The, there was a there was there was a period uh, there was a period about ten years ago. When the university approached me and said, "Do you want to start the shows up again?" Not really. I said, "You know, because I'd be selling a false dream because people were, oh, bloody hell, you, the Who will come in and you know Pink Floyd and da da da. You know, bands don't tour like they used to do in the, those respects. So because they were, because they were touring to sell product. Mm -hmm. So I said, I said, not really. But then I phoned Jeff up in in um, Exeter and he said, "Well, yeah." He said, "Give Simon Moran phone uh, phone in Manchester and." Simon Moran said, yeah, yeah, we'd put shows in with you. Know, I said, there's only, you know, the university of the world are only talking about 1,100 capacity. Mm. Fine, we'll do that. Phil McIntyre said, yeah, I'll put the comics in and all that sort of stuff. And then other people get. So I said, oh, all right. So yeah. I went back to the university and said, okay, yeah, well, I, give me Fridays and Saturday nights. I'm not going to take them all, but give me those and I will tell you before the term starts whether I'm going to use them. Mm. Um, but I need to, if a promoter phones me up, I need to be able to say yes rather than, oh, well, and I've got to go and check with somebody, yeah. check with the committee and whatever. Mm. That seemed fine. And then I went back with four major acts, Jules Holland, Paul Weller, Lenny Henry, and the university went, oh, no, well, we, we need to check whether these fit into our artistic 
programming and 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 oh you can't have that that on we can't have you can't have Saturdays because the university student ballroom says Anson Society has it. Well, been here, done this. Yeah, <laughs> no, bring it back <laughs> yeah, memories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, <laughs> right. uh, which was sad, really. But I mean, it, it's it's a different world. What about an off campus venue, or would that be it's size? It's size that's the problem mm. now. That that is, I mean, Cantina are doing really well. Mm. Some of the, the, the acts they're putting on are, are excellent, mm. you know. But they've got a big space, and yes. a big flat, big open space. That's, a, that's yeah. the, the key to that one. I mean, a bit like the Great Hall was, you know. Yeah, it was a stand-up, so mm -hmm. without being too obvious, you know, you can get more people into a small room if they're stood up than if they're sat down. But uh, the, where where would you do it? I mean, the 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 one area where the one place where you you should be able to do it if it was done properly is the Winter Garden because that used to be. And I know it wouldn't be the case today, but that used to be when I started looking at it, it was two thousand three hundred seated. Mm. That was in the middle to late seventies when the university was said, Oh my god, I've got to get rid of it off campus and went to Trust House Board and said, Will you take all our shows? And they went, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so we nearly moved them all out there. The mm. only the only reason we didn't is they they wouldn't give me exclusivity on the winter program. I said you can have your summer program. I just want the winter months. Mm. But I, if I'm building this up as a venue, or if not me, but the student union building this up as a venue, we don't want then want Harvey Goldsmith etc. To, to be able to go direct to you and book, book yeah. cutting us out. You yeah. know, once the place had been come, had been established as yeah. a venue, and they wouldn't give us that, and then. Sort of realised quite quickly afterwards because they then put in an application to have it demolished. <laughs> so they weren't interested in. Um, I'm wondering, in terms of Eden, what your thoughts are because that's going to be potentially a new venue as part of um, the overall development there, which could be probably even. As larger. far as I understand, the venue aspect of, of Eden is an open air, five thousand capacity. A bit similar. I don't know whether they've been to the Eden Project down down south. Not but yet. Been, no. yeah, it's, it's, a, I mean, it, it's an orbit stage mm -hmm. in an amphitheatre. Mm -hmm. It's very nice, mm -hmm. but the weather's slightly better down. Yeah, there. I'm yeah. not quite sure whether anybody's worked out how many sunny mm -hmm. sunny days you can sit outside and listen mm -hmm. to music in Morgan because there aren't an awful lot. Yeah, I know. And I know there's climate change coming, and we might end up like the Sahara. But at the moment, you mm -hmm. know. I mean, have you been around here recently? Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. Yeah. Absolutely. One venue we've not mentioned mm. um, is the uh, Alhambra. Carlton. Ivan, yeah, the old Carlton. Mm. friend of mine, Ivan, um, Ivan Harrison, who runs a sleazy festival, mm -hmm. was looking at it to put some shows on and asked me if I'd go and have a look at it. And I walked with him and we went, and this was before they'd actually, I think they'd only put one show on or something. We walked into the venue, and as soon as I walked in, because I remember it's the Carlton, and I've changed the whole thing around now, mm. and it just went, and I said, I'm, this is a rock venue. And it's just, mm. it feels like a rock venue. Mm. It really does. And I went to see Massives there, and, and, mm. and, and that was good. But you just think there's stage across the back there, all round. You can have a bit. The, work, the bar area works because people can actually have a drink and talk. Yes. And, and not a hit with. Yeah. So it's a fabulous venue. But mm -hmm. again, you, you're struggling because I think it's set something like 750 capacity. That That's your problem because mm -hmm. to be on the road now costs bands a lot of money. 
and they're not yeah. selling products. So the only reason they're on the road is to make money. Mm. So they've got to charge more, mm -hmm. you know, mm. which is why tickets have gone stupid. Yeah. If there was a big enough draw, I think would people go rain, hail or shine? They may well do. They do. Yeah, mm. they would do. But, you know. Especially if they're paid enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly uh, was more a football club mm. for a, a weekend of, of, of events. But that all sort of collapsed on the back of city council's licensing authorities so, right you know, who are legendary and it's nice that it's passed down from father to son in that department because they're all exactly the same as they were 40 years ago <laughs> <laughs> yes it is uh it is interesting isn't it i think where innovation and and tradition sort of collide there is always um i never quite understand like, it why anybody wants to be a licensing officer who doesn't enjoy Live entertainment. <laughs> that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Maybe I should try and get one for the podcast. An actual licensing officer who loves to buy day will enforce yeah. <laughs> temporary events notices, but by now will love to go and have a <laughs> massive. You know, just goes to Preston, or I mean, even uh, I, I just I mean, Guildhall is not, not open, but I think they're they're mm. talking about reviving some in one, some way, shape, or form. But yeah, go to say Manchester and go to Night and Day, or mm. in fact, is that venue even? I'm, I'm throwing out venues. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm sure these venues are all coming under under threat at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man! So um, yeah, who just likes to let their hair down over weekend? Mm. That would be. If anyone knows of any, comment <laughs> below. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, that would be yeah, that would be quite quite good to see. Um, we've not kind of looked back. I think in this chat this time round in terms yeah. of the book because I know that the what I think is really interesting is a lot of those testimonials will clearly come from your audience. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention. Yeah. Which is actually quite important. This event, this the concert, the Saturday mm -hmm. concert. In Myanmar. Um, mm -hmm. John Angus has agreed to do oh. come out of retirement to do the poster for it. Really? It took me a long time to persuade him because oh. he was of the opinion that was then, that was me then, I've finished and not do it anymore. Really? It's just an old fogey. I said, yeah, but what an old fogey. And get the team yeah. back together. Jeff Campbell's going to come up and take some photographs from Exeter and a poster from you. So he's agreed to do the poster. So that's because people that's know John Angus posters. They're legendary. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, might not be to everybody's taste, but then John's posters never were. They, they were mm. just, a, they are now collector's pieces. Be warned. I went to a memorabilia thing at the Story Institute two or three years ago where uh -huh. somebody was saying to me, have you, and one of the guys was saying to me, have you kept any John Angus posters? So I said, no. I said, I haven't kept any posters. I haven't kept anything mm. back in the day. I said, I used to sell them at the end of the year, 50 pence to the students each, and, and we'd put the money into a pot for the bouncer's Christmas piss-up. So he said, oh, he said, that's a shame. So I said, why? He said, well, if you'd have got that one pointing to feel good so i'd give you a thousand quid for that one if you've got that one john cooper clark i'd give you 1200 quid because of the bill that was on it joint division were third on the bill the joint division fashion from manchester and john yeah. cooper clark was head of the bill anyway so 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 that poster would be 1200 quid there was and there was he went on and on you know so, so i'm just warning people if they want to try and get all of it. So <laughs> like, wow. in, in 40 years' time, it'll yeah. be worth some money. <laughs> I would see John Angus quite a bit. And not, not once was I aware that he did the artwork for mm. the college. And not once did he ever mention it. So he's very, very humble about it. Mm. And so, um, yeah. But you didn't know that he'd 
exhibitions at the Barbican of the show, exhibitions in Manchester. No, wet behind the ears, 23-year-old. Absolutely, no no idea whatsoever. You should have asked me. I know, I should have. I knew you back in those days. Oh, I know, yeah, exactly. Oh, well, hopefully if John is watching or listening, that's pretty cool to learn that about him. I suppose the, the, the third edition will be about a lot of the audience's testimonials and things like that. Yeah. So it's kind of almost looking back, but also looking forward and thinking how good it was back then, but how also how good it could be if. And okay. I think this could be almost like a, a marker point yeah. in time for Lancaster. Yeah. What do you think? That, that's the whole that's the whole point of it. It could have just degenerated almost into just a, a nostalgia, you know, um, or oh, wasn't it great when look at how terrible it is now what you're saying is hey, it was good then yeah but as you say it might be good in the future and mm -hmm. certainly the resurgence of the musicians cooperative hopefully will lead to say that and, yeah. and we can work together on this one and make it make it a, a, a night to remember absolutely and maybe you were See a superstar in a few years' time. Oh, I saw them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. £1.50 or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. There's, there is a lot which I can, even being down here for about 20 years now, scarily, I can see the ebb and flow. I can see there is now, a, it's beginning to turn full circle again. And I think that um, with obviously some new bells and whistles on board, obviously social media, I mean, I suppose podcasts, podcasts exactly. Uh, in terms of the impact that even some of these emergent technologies are having on music, I think that there's almost like another conversation to be had about, you know, the so-called fear and trepidation that people have about artificial intelligence and how its ability to so-called replicate or create music that's not being created by anyone. Yes, but if you, if you think back to, um, you know, back in the day, with, we've had lots of individual... Um, oh, that track's been lifted, or that's a, that riff has been lifted. Um, mm. But actually, been people, people like, I mean, Bruce Springsteen was mm. being crucified early doors when that stupid Rolling Stones, this is the future rock and roll, nearly blew his career. Because mm. it stopped me listening to Bruce Springsteen for about five years. It was only when Paul Lowe was staying with me, we, we got um, Leonard Skinner on at the union, mm. and he was staying on and he got to two in the morning, or I think he got to a bottle of bourbon, and, and mm. he said, have you got any Bruce Springsteen? I said, well, I've got a couple of albums, I'm going to play them. Like, oh, you've got to stick with So uh, anyway, but Springsteen was criticised heavily for, oh, it's influenced by the Beatles, or it's influenced by Stones, or there's influences. And you're thinking, if you're a young lad listening to that music, you've mm. got to be influenced by it. Mm -hmm. Nobody's nobody's totally creative that they've <laughs> not, you know, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. Be a, a writer or a musician or a singer. There are there's things that you you've taken in and learned. They become your own, mm -hmm. but they're not copied. Mm -hmm. They're just absorbed. Aren't yeah, they? you know. Hopefully, a seed change and then a real sense of positivity again, as opposed to like the the doom and gloom that's happened. You just so. gotta hope people actually like going out yeah, exactly. and socialising yeah. as opposed to sitting inside and mm. socialising with a screen. That's true. I was a primary school governor for 28 years mm. and and I was horrified one time when we were appointing a couple of dinner ladies. The head was sort of saying to us as governors, we need to appoint a couple of people who know how to play play, play grand games. 
and right. and I'm going, why? So because we need to teach the children how to play. Yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah, thinking they're never in a skipping rope. So. Horrendous, yeah. isn't it? You know. You yeah. Give them a guitar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sit down in the summer. I know a lot of schools have got you know willow domes and mm. seats and mm. things like that, little communal areas. You know, luckily enough to have a space in their playground where they could just get together and have a sing. 100% and it wouldn't cost anything, you would need no tech, just need someone to just sit down and just do it, yeah. Who'd have thought that in order to be successful, just nurturing and <laughs> caring is somehow what people are looking for now, it's just one, who would have thought that would even have been a thing? But um, no, you're right, I think uh, in terms of music making, I mean that, that's a whole other conversation, but especially um, for young people now who are not, or are struggling to access music making tools just grabbing an instrument just having a go and you know it not being about getting it right or wrong or some perceived curriculum that's kind of brought in by the government just to have a chance just to sit down and experiment and experience music for the first time i think is is going to be even more important you sound now. you sound like martin mclaren do i <laughs> i mean that's the definition of punk well that's ooh, i like it, that i'll take you that know, you know yeah i mean get together you can't play your instruments you learn as you're yeah. going along you know? yeah i know what kind of sound i want to make and mm. you don't know how to make it well i'll find out that's it yeah. i think that's the best thing about being in a band and just sitting down and having a noodle and having a play and just thinking yeah that works and then jam an idea I, I love that whole and i and i really want that to be what kids experience now and i think that's the exciting thing about the music co-op that hopefully will become a space for people to come together and noodle and create something fresh and get out there and play it and hopefully you never know there will be future barry lucases on the horizon who'll be able to go i like you i know where you're going to be good i know where the audience that will really suit you get them together and then mm. and put it on but hopefully we need we need people to learn the lessons of those who've gone before and then to you know sweet talk the licensing people <laughs> to get to get involved to know who to get on the phone to make things happen that's yeah. what we need as well in terms of the third edition, uh, I know that you'd mentioned last time with uh, the second now sold out edition was through Carnegie and a few bookshops. Where can people get well, the third one? Uh, well, what we've and what um, we're, it looks like what we might be able to do is to put it back out to bookshops on this one because um, we've managed to get a, a, a very good deal, which means that it's not as expensive as the last one originally. So we'll. I, we, it will be through, through Carnegie. It will, of course, be on the night. Mm -hmm. If people want to come up to that, then and they'll get a copy of reduced price and might even get a squiggle in it if they want. Yeah. The university will be selling the books now as well. Okay. So it'll be on sale on campus. Fantastic. In terms of the event, will people be able to go to Lancaster University website and find out more details? I would guess so, yeah. <laughs> this is early doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. first announcement. Yeah, but um, they will be selling it through. I can't remember what that. Um, or oh, Eventbrite. Is that it? Yeah. Eventbrite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. well, you don't have to be selling tickets necessarily, but yeah. if they, the first book launch, they didn't want to sell tickets for it, but mm -hmm. they wanted to know how many people were coming. Yes. Yeah. Eventbrite yeah. will do. So people will be able to find it more through uh, when the time comes through something like Eventbrite. Yes. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, that's going to be good. I reckon this is going to be a big event, considering how popular the other books have been, Barry. To be honest, well, I I hope so, and yeah. I hope so because it's just it's going to be the 
I know I said this last time, mm -hmm. but there isn't, it's not Frank Sinatra, there is not going to be a fourth edition, so this is the last one. And there's a night of music as well after it, which is great. Fantastic. So get it while you can. Barry, thank you very, very much for chatting to us. Thank you, Ewan. It was a pleasure as usual. Fantastic. And uh, we'll hopefully see you very soon, and um, good luck with this year. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.